Hey, this is Greg. And Zach. Welcome back to the Harvest Gate Podcast. Today is the first in a four-part series exploring the four primary growth metrics by which we'll be measuring Harvest Gate's success. Maturity, unity, favor, and numbers. Today we begin with maturity, define what it means, and how we'll measure it to track our progress as a church. Zach, before we dive deep into maturity, can you talk a little bit about how you identify these four areas as the ones that we should focus on? Yeah, it's an interesting question. And I as I was thinking about this today, uh, you know, another way that we might say this, again, those are maturity, unity, favor, and numbers. We might say it this word, uh, this way, uh, and that's upwards, inwards, outwards, and onwards. And mm-hmm. so uh, these these primarily reflect how we can uh, to, to make sure that we are growing uh, in our relationship with God, so upward, uh, our relationship with those within our uh, faith community, so that would be inward, uh, how we are interacting with and viewed by uh, the the larger community mm-hmm. and and to be honest, these are the only three metrics that we have any say about. Um, we believe that if we focus well and do well trying to grow uh, in our relationship with God and our relationship with our fellow brothers and sisters and then uh, our 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 ability to grow uh, with uh, the larger community, then we trust God that he will bring about uh, growth, uh, numeric growth. And so we aren't really primarily concerned about numeric growth. Uh, We're really concerned about um, what I would maybe call heart issues that we can that we have any say about, and we trust God with the final one. Right. And, you know, like that's something that we've talked about a lot, and we'll get to that in a little bit, the whole, you know, sort of concept of maybe over-focusing on numbers or or focusing so much on numbers that you forsake other things. But before we do, uh, you were talking about the, the concept of uh, upward, uh, I believe, inward, outward, and uh, what was it, onward? Is that right? Onward, yep. So uh, maturity, we would say, is upward. Is that right? Correct. So uh, for maturity, how do we sort of, you know, like, give me the the details, then the bullet points of the PowerPoint presentation, as it were, if we're talking maturity, what sort of things are we looking at in that space? Yeah, so what I would say is, is we're not measuring uh you know the the maybe more spiritual biblical term to use is uh is fruit that we uh we right we're not saying we're not saying zach's uh uh maturity quotient is up to 83 percent this week you know yeah (laughs) yeah so it's it's not the amount of fruit that's on somebody's proverbial tree Mm. Uh, but rather are we growing fruit at all um and okay. so you know uh so i've been following jesus 11 years now uh 
seriously following him, I would say. Um, and let's say just for a point of example that I have 20, 20 fruit. I don't know how you measure that, but, um, you know, and that may be good. Let's say I have 20 and you have one. It doesn't mean that I am better than you are. Um, because mm-hmm. here's the difference. You, uh, may last week have had one fruit on your tree, uh, but the 20 fruit on my tree might have been from 11 years ago when I first became a follower. Um, and so the idea is, is not that we have uh, a matter of who has more fruit, but rather is the fruit on our tree growing? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So it's not necessarily yeah, about so. yeah. quantity, but, um, but, but quality. So how can we help to foster uh, growth in people's life? And so if we're talking about um, maturity or upward, upwards growth, how can we help people grow in, in, in some of the metrics that we are measuring? So uh, we, we might talk about uh, like one of our growth metrics within this is are people engaging in scripture? And so, um, Greg, I'm going to use you for an example. Uh, please do. Um, and I don't, I don't know what your engagement with scripture is, but let's say you're a new believer and you have never read the Bible before. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what we would try to do is get you to engage with scripture more. So it's not, well, how many chapters did you read this week? But um, maybe how did you, how are you engaging with scripture as compared with yourself last week? Does that make sense? So um, you're not comparing yourself to me. Right. Uh, you're, we're comparing you to a past version of yourself. So and that makes uh, makes more sense on an individual basis that everyone's going to be at a different point in their spiritual journey and what they're uh, you know maybe prepared to undertake in terms of learning and understanding and you know development. Yeah, and so there's there's a a, a church. Oh, I guess you could call him a father. Uh, uh, his his name is uh, or was. Uh, Charles Spurgeon. And I remember I read an article about Charles Spurgeon and he was around in the 1800s, I believe. Uh, And I remember reading an article about how his daily and weekly uh, schedule was laid out. And what that, like that guy's, that dude's schedule was nuts. And he had like he ran a an orphanage. He published dozens, if not hundreds, of books. He was a publisher for uh, a a Christian magazine. He ran one of the largest churches in America that had six thousand members, and he knew each of them by name. Uh, he wrote. Um, tons of sermons, preached tons of sermons each week. And I remember uh, reading that article and just saying, wow, I suck 
uh, I am nowhere close to those kinds of things. And God reminded me, um, yeah, Zach, Charles Spurgeon didn't wake up one day and just start doing all of those things. Uh, he, uh, he added things to his schedule as they became important to him. And, um, you know, for, for me, uh, I'm, I'm engaged in scripture almost on a daily basis. Uh, you know, I wish I could say I'm perfect at it, uh, but I'm not. Uh, so I'm, I'm engaged with scripture. I generally will spend anywhere from an hour to sometimes two hours just engaged in scripture. Uh, now that doesn't mean that I'm super spiritual. Um, what it means is, is that I have grown in my, in my love of scripture and my love of learning that, uh, and, and this stems back to my love of God. Uh, I want to know more about Jesus. I want to learn more about, uh, uh, this creator who who loves me intimately, so I spend more time with him. Now, uh, going back to our example, you as a as a new believer, you might really struggle to get five minutes in a day, uh, or maybe even five minutes a week. And so it would be unfair for me to say, well, Greg, I read my Bible sometimes upwards of two hours a day. Uh, and you're only doing five minutes a week. Uh, you're horrible. And and that's not what it's about. It's So, Greg, last week uh, you were in the Word. You were reading the Bible. Uh, you read it two days. Hey, man, that's great. Uh, compared to you a month ago, you've never cracked open a Bible, and now you're reading it two days a week. That's really great. I think you can um, compare it, like, in in other terms to, you know, when you want to start working out or something like if you go and do super intense workouts for, you know, six days a week, when you haven't worked out in years, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to be in a ton of pain. Uh, you know, it's probably going to be, it's probably ultimately going to lead to you not continuing to do that. Like you can't go in on day one, not having exercised and go pick up, you know, the rocks, uh, exercise routine or something like <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Like these people, well, Greg, I don't know if you've seen me, you know, that might be able to happen. <laughs> I saw, <laughs> look, man, you saw me yesterday. I'm not going to pick that. Up. I can't handle that. You know, no, no, I can't yeah. do that either. That, no, that's a great, that is a great way to look at that. Um, and, and so here's, here's how we would measure that. Um, you know, it might be a huge accomplishment for me to go to the gym and put up, uh, uh, you know, to put up 150 pounds on the bench press, like that might be huge for me. That's like carrying um, uh, almost or what, probably a little more than your three kids put together. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's actually that's actually <laughs> more than my three kids put together. Um, and so I mean, like it's you know that may be good, but if I've been going to the gym for uh, you know, for 10 years and, uh, you know, week one, I put up 150 pounds and then later on down the road, I'm still putting up 150 pounds. You know, I could, I might be able to, to, to boast about that. I don't, um, 
but mm-hmm. it, it doesn't show any level of growth. It just shows that I can do this, this thing that I've been conditioned to do. And so, so, so we're wanting to, to help people grow in uh, our relationship in wanting to help people grow. I say that as though I'm an expert. Uh, no, I, I also want to be growing in my relationship with God. I also want to be growing in this upward relationship. And so uh, from a theological standpoint, what we would call this, this kind of spiritual growth, we call this sanctification. And sanctification is the process of becoming like Jesus. Um, Now, I said like Jesus. I didn't say becoming Jesus. Um, So I'm not saying that we are... uh, aspiring to become God. That is impossible. Um, but there are characteristics that, that, that God, uh, that God possesses that, that make up his character and nature that we can grow to become more like. And so, um, maybe you've heard Greg about the fruits of the spirit um and the fruits of the spirit are love joy peace patience kindness goodness gentleness faithfulness and self-control and so uh let's say uh so so these can also be metrics about how we are growing upwards or or in our maturity am i becoming more loving am i becoming more patient? Am I becoming more joyful or uh, peaceful? Am I becoming more gentle, uh, more faithful? And these things are kind of hard to measure. Um, uh, it's not like, well, you you scored a, uh, a three on the patience, uh, <laughs> you, you know, quotient. I'm paranoid. Um, I score a 10 on patience every time. Yeah, exactly. Every, exactly. Know, guaranteed. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's not necessarily that there's numeric growth, but I think that there are ways that we can tell, well, like today I, I had a lot more patience today. You know, my kids were being absolutely were driving me up a wall and I didn't snap on them. In fact, I actually, I, I, I engaged with them more. Um, and rather than telling that, like, I was just so impatient with them that I'd sent them away to their room to go play on their tablet so I didn't have to deal with them. So rather than doing that, you know, I've grown. And now rather than sending them away, I'm inviting them in and I'm playing with them more and I'm engaging them and reading books and playing games and, you know, playing dress up, you know, whatever the case may be. <laughs> so, um, so, so it's kind of hard to say you know it's not like we have spreadsheets spreadsheets and it's like well greg uh greg's trending up and to the right or he's tra- tra- trending down and to the to the left whatever it is um sure. uh but it's we want to help foster growth in people's spiritual lives so you know that i think takes us then to how do we kind of dial in on that a little bit if we're talking about maturity for example what specific questions would we be asking ourselves or asking of individuals you know within harvestgate of 
you know, how are you growing in maturity specifically? Like what would be a subset of that? Yeah. So this list is not exclusive. These are just examples of, of things that we would kind of internally ask ourselves. Right. Um, and so uh, this list could be much longer. Um, and again, uh, we, we want to, we want to operate with uh, not by the amount of fruit, but by the growth of fruit. Um, so here are some questions that we would kind of ask ourselves, maybe as a leadership team. Um, are, are people engaging in scripture? Mm-hmm. Are people engaging in prayer? Are people engaging in other spiritual disciplines? Are disciples being made? Are people experiencing personal worship? Um, and so, like, these are just some things that we we want to kind of be ruminating on. Um, and so, it's sometimes it's into things that we hear people saying, um, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's also in the things that we don't hear people saying. Um, so, here's an example: if if people are talking about uh, maybe a life-altering decision. And they say, I don't know. Let's say, let's say they're talking about a job or something like that. Um, and I don't believe that in the Bible it says, like, Greg should take this job at this place. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. Um, but, you know, maybe maybe they say things like, so we're talking about uh, things that people aren't saying, that we also used to, to judge these things by. Well, I have this new job coming up. And it would be higher pay. Uh, it would, um, you know, it's something that I feel like it would be really good. I, uh, you know, blah, 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 you know, and they're not saying, you know, I was, I was reading scripture today or I've been searching scripture to, um, to just to listen to the voice of God and, um, and God pointed this thing out to me, and it sparked this idea uh, that maybe I should explore looking into a job change. Um, and again, you know, it doesn't have to be that reading scripture is what sparks things in our lives, but um, how are we listening to God? Um, and I think that we do this through, through different things, uh, primarily through scripture and prayer, but there are also other spiritual disciplines that help us, uh, that position us in, in, in ways, uh, that we can be, uh, ready to receive any, any thing that God wants to share with us. So, um, so like fasting is an example of that. I am, there's, there's really nothing inherently spiritual about fasting other than uh, the fact that I am, I am submitting myself to, to discipline myself. That's why we call them spiritual disciplines. Um, that I am not going to uh, in, engage in in eating for for an entire day, and I'm going to do this so that every time I feel hungry, I come to the Lord in prayer, and I. And when I do that, I'm positioning myself, hoping that he will share something with me. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, absolutely. So it's not like because I have done this, then God will, but rather we we put ourselves in a place of submission where we position ourselves to receive. And I think a, a lot of these um, these metrics are ways to get us to slow down so that we can hear God. We live in such a um, snappy world, right? And everything, I need it now, I need it now, Google searches. And um, um, I, I'm, there, there are times where I miss the days where, um, you know, you'd be sitting around with a group of friends and there's like a song that comes to your mind. And you're like, oh, what's the name of that song? And you're trying to remember the lyrics and, you, you know, you start engaging other people like, oh, you know, it goes like, bah, 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 bah. and and your friends are like, oh, yeah, I remember that song. What was the name of that? Um, and. And no one pulled out. Uh, nobody pulled out know, their phone app yeah. or whatever to, you know, ask Siri what it was or whatever. And there's like this communal like, oh, my goodness. And then when you figure it out, there's like so much satisfaction that comes about. Now, whenever there's a song that comes on, I'm like, oh, what is the name of that song? Oh, hold on. Let me Google it. Okay. You know, is the eye of the tiger. How's it? <laughs> and there's like, there's, what do you there's mean, no you room. You forgot that song? Come on now. Yeah. I wouldn't forget <laughs> that song. Um, but uh, there, there's, there's no room for awe and wonder, it seems. Yeah. And so uh, when we put, when we position ourselves, so uh, maybe to, to carry on that example, when we, when we set aside our cell phone, uh, you know, I've done this before. It's like, what's the name of that song? Nobody look at your phone. We're going to figure this out the old school way where we just, where we kind of have to suffer through it. Um, this is kind of the same thing where it's like, no, I, I'm not going to just go off of my feelings. I'm actually going to, uh, to seek the Lord through wise counsel and through prayer and through engaging in the scriptures and, and fasting. I'm going to uh, set aside my advantages that I have and just, quiet myself before the Lord. Uh, so I don't know if that makes sense, Greg, uh, or if I just rambled on. Uh, <laughs> and if need be, you can just cut this whole section out. But um, No, you know what? This is a podcast. It is exactly <laughs> for rambling, but it did make sense. Um, but I think it takes me to, uh, I don't know, a difficult question, perhaps. And I think it's something that we've talked about a lot when we've talked about air quote, other churches. And I think when we we say that, we're referring to um, what we would say are, you know, just churches that are are making mistakes. Not every church is doing that. Some are. Uh, but I think it's easy to uh, look at some churches or organizations. I guess it's not even exclusively a church thing where they're more focused on getting individual metric goals like butts in seats, right? Dollars in the basket, and things of that nature, you know, we've kind of talked about that tongue-in-cheek, sort of slightly criticizing that concept. But here we are now doing an entire four-part series in the podcast on how we're going to measure our success. <laughs> so I think it begs a question of ourselves, how are we going to be different? And how do we ensure that we're doing these things for the right reason and not just to increase a measurable you know, number? Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting thing, and um, but we have to measure something. Uh, and I say this: I mean, there's a there's a, a leadership or business um, uh, axiom that says uh, what you measure is essentially what you measure is what you will succeed in. Uh, right, something along those lines. Um, 
So if you don't measure and, your sales, they're probably not going up. Yeah. If, you know, uh, or, you know, if, if you're, if we're not measuring the amount of engagement on social media, then, you know, uh, you know, we've done a big marketing push and nobody has clicked on our ad. <laughs> if I don't, yeah. if I don't measure the volume of the tree falling in the forest, did it make a sound? Did it make a sound? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, and so, so we we do need to measure things. I think this comes into excellence. We need to make sure that what we are doing uh, is is being effective. And so, Greg, I think what you're talking about, uh, there is a principle, um, or actually, it's it's a law. It's called God, uh, Goodhart's law, and it's this idea that when a measure becomes a target, it ceases to be a good measure. And um, I'll tell a, a little anecdotal story. Now, I don't know if this is like folklore or if this is an actual thing that ap- actually happened, but it, it's it's referred to as the cobra effect. Uh, based off of what I've read about this, I think that it might have been an actual event, but this is a great example of, of Goodhart's law. When a measure becomes a target, it ceases to be a good measure. Uh, so the cobra effect happened in um, British-occupied India. And in Delhi, there was a a problem uh, with poisonous cobras going throughout uh, the region and biting people and killing them. Um, So I'm talking about actual snakes here. Um, And so the the government said, okay, this is a real problem. So, um, So we are going to start paying people for cobra skins. Uh, so if we can get the people to engage uh, in, in, uh, in, in getting rid of the cobras, uh, it will help ultimately with uh, the cobra problem that we have. So they started paying people uh, for cobra skins. Well, what happened is that people started catching on to this idea and they um they started breeding cobras so that they could sell to the government um and so the measure started to become a target uh that's not what was was happened <laughs> yeah so then uh the british government started realizing what was happening uh and so they said okay we are not going to sell you for your cobra or we're not going to to pay you for your cobra skins anymore and so all the people who were breeding cobras said, okay, well, I don't need all these cobras. And then they released them into the wild. So now we have a bigger problem than what we originally started out with. Talk about unintended consequences. Um, oh, boy. Uh, and so this can happen in the church. You know, it is good to measure growth uh, and to measure numeric growth. I don't think that anybody, any church has ever started saying, hey, let's start measuring the amount of people that come and the amount of uh, money that comes in. And we're going to do this for evil and maniacal reasons. <laughs> um, I don't think that anybody does that. It's, hey, healthy things grow. And if we are doing things well, then people are going to come. And Generally, when people engage with the first act of engaging with their heart is that they give with their money. And so we'll start measuring these things because they're easy to measure. And 
somewhere down the line, we lose sight of these things and we're like, hey, this week we had 1,200 people at church and we received a million dollars in tithes and offering. Look how great we are. Um, but what happens is, not all the time, there are many wonderful, great churches that that have those kinds of numbers uh, who have very spiritually vibrant people. Uh, but if we're not careful, what happens or what can happen is that we might have we might boast great numbers, but all of uh, a large majority of the people are spiritually dead, mm. and they're they're not really acting and behaving uh, as though they are believers who believe the things that Jesus actually taught, and they're not patient and they're not kind and they're not loving and they're not merciful and they don't forgive people and they're all hypocrites, and so so that's why we say we have no no say in in our numbers um in those kinds of numbers the only thing that we can do um is hope to help people grow in their maturity in their unity and in their favor so this is something that we can do corporately but then also something that we hope to do uh that we hope to inspire and foster in people to do individually how am i growing uh, in my maturity with Jesus, how am I growing in my relationship with those uh, in in this body? How am I doing at um, uh, how does the how does how do my bosses uh, view me? How do they view my work? How does my neighbors how do my neighbors view me? Um, and so, so you might ask the question: How do we keep from? Uh, moving towards what I would call vanity metrics, uh, this idea, uh, you know, butts and seats, as you said. Um, and I think that a lot of it can be measured not in seating capacity, and I think we've said this before, not in seating capacity, but in sending capacity. So how how well uh, do we do at mobilizing people uh, to uh, to carry out um, uh, the mission of God, as we have talked about. It's not about collecting people so that we have more numbers, uh, but, uh, but, but training and equipping people mm-hmm. to, to do the work of ministry. And so I think that we, we track these things um, or how how do we go about tracking these things without becoming legalistic or re- religious or hypocritical? So, uh, and I think that the answer is grace, mercy, and love. So, let's say, Greg, we're we're talking about uh, scripture, and and mm-hmm. you're a new believer, and I ask, Greg, how'd you do your your Bible reading this week? Like, and you're like, dude, I haven't read the Bible in three weeks, and so, so it would not be good for me to go, dude, you suck. Why haven't you read your, like, but to offer grace. Oh man, that's okay. I understand that. Sometimes it can be a real struggle. Um, and, and I respond with grace, mercy, and love rather than condemnation. You know, I, and I can push a little bit, you know, how could I maybe help you, um, engage in scripture a little more? Um, yeah. does that make sense? Yeah, Absolutely. Tempering things with with grace, mercy, and love. Yeah, and I think one of the important things, or one thing that I 
I maybe it's perceived on my behalf, but in some of the churches that I've attended, uh, you know, in my 32 years so far that I can remember anyways, um, I think there is maybe a, uh, I don't know, I don't know if I would say a lack of accountability, but it often feels like church leadership is very closed off. It's kind of a, a small group of people inside a slightly larger group behind you know the the curtain of the board of trustees or whoever they are right and uh and so there's very little transparency in what is going on and why it's happening or like what you're doing and why you're doing it right and so i think one of the things that's unique about us in especially what we're doing right now you know producing this podcast is we're creating a uh, very transparent, uh, you know, kind of look behind the curtain of what we're doing and why we're doing it. And to that effect, I think I would encourage anyone who is part of Harvest Gate, either now or in the future, to keep us accountable on that. That if you see that we're not doing things for the right reasons and that we're uh, focusing too much on, you know, just like you said, those vain numbers of how many people were there and how much money did they give and, you know, how many social media posts did we get to make about amazing things that we did or something uh, that they call us out on that and come to us and say, this is not how you should be doing this. You know, yeah, and this, this is not the right way. Yeah. Well, and Greg, you have done this for me and I, I greatly appreciate it. Um, I think that I've asked you maybe two or three times, like, hey, Greg, uh, how many subscribers do we have to the podcast? <laughs> and you have, uh, you know, with grace, mercy, and love, you have uh, held me accountable to that. And you're like, you know, uh, Zach, it's, it's good to know those kinds of things. Uh, however, um, and you shared about how... Uh, might have been with a podcast that you were doing or something where I was uh, you... streaming streaming on Twitch. If you want, I can kind of share that example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So for anyone who's not familiar in the gaming community, video games, uh, there's a platform called Twitch and many others like it where people can live stream games that they're playing to, you know, an audience of people on the internet. And some people like in any media, you know, gather a huge following and and become famous and make millions of dollars doing these sorts of things and i didn't have any goals like that but i think you can really um easily fall into a trap of doing things for the wrong reasons i started streaming on twitch playing games that i wanted to play because it's what i liked to do and the uh, sort of appeal of making money from streaming games is like getting paid to do something you love to do uh, and have fun doing it. But what slowly started to happen is I was looking at that viewer count. How many people are watching? Mm. Are they, you know, donating, uh, you know, little, are they tipping you while you're playing? Um, and I started playing a game that uh, had a, you know, a, a very loyal following, but it was a, you know, a larger following than I had ever received in terms of viewers. So I went from two or three people watching to 50 people watching. Whoa, what a difference. So then I stopped playing the games I liked and I only played that game that people would watch. 
And pretty soon mm-hmm. it became, you know, I'm not playing to have fun. I'm playing for the viewers. Right. And so it, okay. no, it was no longer about what I enjoyed. It was about that metric. And that was about the time I realized I wanted to stop. So I stopped. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and so like using that example, I mean, you've held me accountable to that and I, and I appreciate it and I need those reminders. And, um, I think, I think a lot of this, um, you know, we talk about accountability. Uh, I, I myself as, you know, maybe we would say the public face of, of Harvest Gate, um, I have been trying to put myself in a place of vulnerability with the the Harvest Gate team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with this whole pandemic, we have been um, a lot of our plans have been uh, affected. <laughs> yes, that is an understatement. Yeah. I think, um, and so. I've, you know, I've, I've received texts from, from different ones of you saying like, Hey, what are we doing next? And I've had to re- like, just respond and say, listen, guys, I honestly don't know. Um, and I've been feeling a little depressed and melancholy because of it, because like, I, I don't know what our next steps are. Cause I don't know what the future looks like. I don't know when these stay at home orders are going to be lifted. And, you know, um, and for me, this is a way that I can be accountable to you all, that it's not like, well, don't worry, I've got it all figured out, and you just need to sit back there with, uh, and just trust in me. Um, but I think that it takes a sense of um, of vulnerability that, uh, and, and hopefully something that we are uh, creating or fostering here within the Harvest Gate Network is a sense of uh, of transparency and authenticity, um, where we can say, listen, we don't have all of the answers and, uh, we are human. So we are going to fail and we're going to get things wrong. Um, you know, this, this past week when we met for our, our service, uh, we had a, uh, a, a teenager on the call. And, um, to be honest, I'd thought about kids and I'd thought about adults, but I had never thought about, Oh, what do we do with teenagers? <laughs> um, <laughs> how do we keep yeah. them engaged? I mean, how do, how do we, we keep incorporate them hashtags into our service? Yeah. Right? Maybe we need to start doing TikTok services. I don't know. Um, no, I don't think, but <laughs> no, that would be horrible. Um, but, but I, you know, kind of said, said to them, I said, you know, I am not very good. Like I know, I've thought about how to engage with adults and children, but I haven't really thought about how to engage with you. So I apologize. Uh, this might be weird for you. Um, and I think with any organization, what needs to happen is, is we just need to, to be okay with saying, I don't have it all figured out, but like, let's, let's learn and figure this out together. Yeah. Um, and not if I, I screw up as a leader, not if I fail as a leader, but when I screw up as a leader, I hope that I have extended grace, mercy, and love to others within uh, the community and within the network that it, it becomes a, a, a culture that it's like, oh, Zach, it's okay. Cause, uh, cause we failed too. And uh, you know, that, that we fail, but it's tempered. Uh, what's the saying? We fail forward. 
Um, and, and a phrase that I like is it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Um, yeah, so it's I mean, okay you to, to learn, you have to learn from your mistakes, their opportunities to grow. Uh, and we want that, we want that feedback, that, uh, constructive criticism to say, you know, harvest gate, you as an organization or you as an individual, uh, are, are not taking the correct approach. And this is what we think you need to do differently. So we want that sort of uh, feedback from, from listeners, from members, from our team, from everybody, you know, to keep us accountable. Certainly. Absolutely. And so it's good to measure things, but we have to hold those measurements loosely in our hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, this is going to sound like a broken record, but to temper it with grace, mercy, and love, um, and 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 give space for failure, and give encouragement when there's growth. Give, um, you know, celebrate, uh, celebrate, celebrate, celebrate when when people grow, uh, and encourage when when people fail, and challenge when people fail, um, uh, because I know. There have been times in my life when I have failed miserably and people offered grace and and that was motivation for me to do better. And so uh yeah, measure but but measure loose not loosely but with with open hands and open hearts and with a mind and a heart to be transformed. Well said. Uh I I hope that we were able to shed light a little bit on this particular growth metric and we look forward to doing more of these in the near future just to explore what are the things that we're focused on and how we're trying to do it in a in a way that is positive and in a way that doesn't uh lead us to you know making uh maybe the wrong decisions for uh the wrong reasons so uh zach i appreciate your time this morning digging into that thank you everybody for listening it's been fun Follow us on social media at HarvestGate Network. There are several ways you can engage with us and support the HarvestGate Network at HarvestGate.org. You can subscribe to the HarvestGate Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you're as excited as we are about this project, please consider supporting us by sharing, joining our prayer team, or donating on our website. Thanks for listening to the HarvestGate Podcast, connecting faith to families, communities, and marketplaces.